Hello everyone. You're listening to Cracking the Code, a weekly podcast series presented by Onflit. I'm Dil Nawaz, founder of Co-Design Labs and Onflit and your host for this podcast series. On Cracking the Code every week, we connect and interact with YouTubers, stand-up comics, digital content creators, artists, actors, chefs and many more people who opted for an unconventional career path and made it big. Cracking the Code is your gateway into inspiring stories of professionals who chose an offbeat career path and turned their passion into a full-time profession. Dive into the amazing stories of our speakers as they unfold their career journeys from scratch and how they did it. As they say, why reinvent the wheel when you can learn from the best and make your own way? With every conversation you listen to on Cracking the Code, you're one step closer to kickstarting your own journey. So let's begin. Hi, good evening everyone and welcome to Cracking the Code presented by Onflit. Today, it's a 17th episode with Kunal Rajput. So, Kunal is a certified strength and conditioning coach. Kunal has coached thousands of people from all all across the country and has been active influencer in the fitness journey of various celebrities including Sara Ali Khan, Nimrat Kaur and many more. Kunal is a budding entrepreneur in fitness industry and he is also the founder of the moment and during the lockdown he did something very interesting which is called unlock and we'll be discussing about unlock as well at length during the conversation today ladies and gentlemen my guest today is one of the well renowned names in indian fitness industry he is an entrepreneur and the only four nike coaches in india put your hands together for my very dear friend and one of the india's top fitness influencers kunal rajput hey kunal how are you good evening and welcome to cracking the code thank you for such a, for such a humbling welcome dilnavas it always makes me happy to speak to you man i was reading this and it's a very interesting thing and and for the audience also tell one how do you become a nike coach and also you're the only uh-huh. male nike coach in the entire country wherein there are only four nike coaches that's a very yeah. interesting thing so uh, kind of take us in uh, help us explore this a uh, this this bit a bit like go into detail what what is the, what what is this all about so okay i'm going to try and explain this in length by not mm-hmm. making it very uh, but in as much as detail as i can give so the thing with sure. nike is um uh, it does not have a certification it does not have mm-hmm. a program where it asks people to come in do that certification or do that course and then it certifies you so that you can be called as a nike coaches mm-hmm. or same means it's it's the same thing with the athlete program also you 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 cannot just fill out a form and be a nike sponsored athlete or so on and so forth the thing with nike as a brand is it like the brand itself is culturally so strong it has such a massive amount of story behind it Hmm. and and the kind of talent that it always pushes always has a story and always has some reason behind it for example they chose roger federer at the age of 11 and he was a nike athlete till at the age of 11 they scouted him 11 okay. okay okay and yeah and they have been sponsoring him ever since um but the point i'm trying to make over here is like you cannot uh, be a nike coach while giving a certain exam they scout you so the thing is uh, coming back to the entire topic what was happening is uh, this was around 2014 uh, mm-hmm. 2014 in 2014 2015 um, women fitness or fitness in general um, was extremely uh, focused on just giving out services to one stream of fitness which is being bodybuilding and commercial uh, way of working out mm-hmm. which was like old gym workouts and like conventional gym workouts mm-hmm. uh then but this was happening in this country but globally it was a different scenario altogether right there were like mm-hmm. so many different sessions and all those things of mm-hmm. course there were like certain pockets of the society in this country where uh functional fitness and crossfit and hit and all those things were doing rounds but at the same time it wasn't like all over the country the nike came and at the same time um uh, coming back women fitness wasn't really a thing because hmm. women used to work out but they always had a kind of a barricade in front of them that right. they had to cross when it comes to the education part of it a lot of women at least we're talking over the tier 2 tier 3 cities and all those places they had uh 
the knowledge was limited and they always had a misconception that if they end up doing something which is uh, which is in terms of strength gaining and so on and so forth they will end up gaining muscles and they will look bigger which is not so desired uh, look in uh, females but uh, they so nike decided that you know what we need to change the game of the fitness industry in india and we need to empower women and we need to educate them so that's why the entire daradin campaign was there and while this was happening they also had this app called as nike training club app now nike training club app just like nike running club is a place where you have workouts from all over the globe with coaches from all over and athletes from all over the globe uh putting in and giving their workouts so that you can actually have a structured workout program while not having uh assistance so you can do it from the app itself and this is back in 2015 um mm-hmm. uh, so what nike decided to do that they wanted to make sure that women are being a part of this and women i started to women should be using this app as much as possible mm-hmm. because it was highly beneficial but at the same time how did it how did they introduce it so they started doing uh, free sessions uh for women in sofia's college and sukhoi and so forth in bombay this was in 2015 2014 um and then the response was amazing then they wanted to increase it and they wanted to go all over the city which is bombay and they started having all these sessions and then they realized that at that time they didn't have enough coaches hmm. and this was only for right? they didn't have enough coaches so they started scouting for new coaches hmm. so they they i think there was a massive amount of uh, funnel this this massive funnel wherein like 200 or 300 potential coaches were there in which i was one of them because i was very active on social media and stuff like that mm. and also one of my friend urmi kothari who's also the fourth nike trainer right now uh, recommended my name so uh, i i came into the list uh, we had an interview uh, and after that interview there was a process where i had to fill a form which was a very interesting form because it had questions throughout this entire my knowledge book and so on and so forth it was a very it was like ias of fitness honest <laughs> okay um, so i had to pass that then after that i had to make a monologue a montage of me uh, so, so that my personality they can understand what my personality is and this everything was being scrutinized and observed by the global team which was in the oh. states yeah and everything was happening and then um after that after that funnel of say from around 100 200 people only 14 was selected and 14 was selected for this uh train the trainer seminar that they had which was a 3 okay. day seminar in bandra and mm-hmm. so we went through the entire ideology behind what nike training club is and how to go about it and stuff like that and then we had uh, the final round where we had to coach these coaches who came down from london and oh, wow. uk okay yeah and and out of those 14 coaches cut to the next two months and i was selected as one of the uh, four coaches who were there it was a like a nice a uh, mix of luck opportunities and mm. at the same time me being uh, active at the right phase of the indian fitness industry mm. and at the same time, me making the most of the opportunity which i had because every single thing which i was doing for example the interview which i was doing i knew that it was going to the it was going to be the most important interview of my life even that phone call interview when i was filling the form i had to make sure that all the answers which i am giving has to be the best answers possible when i was doing the trainer trainer program i had to make sure that no matter what previous kunal is that kunal does not exist anymore the kunal who is going to exist in those three days is only going to be the version that i want to be in future so i had to put up uh, the best version of me out there and i had to make sure that i am keeping uh, or being as focused as possible because even at that time those 14 people and all of them the 14 people were actually 14 women out of which mm-hmm. i was the only uh, who was selected mm. all of them were extremely 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 um prolific in their uh, stream of fitness they were the right. best coaches in the country uh, and i was this 23 year old guy uh, uh-huh. who was there being right. actuated by the fact that i am still 
in a position where I never thought I would be. So when this was happening, uh, how how many years you had already spent into the fitness industry or or doing fitness as a profession by then? Kitna time lagaya tha usse pehle? So I started working out myself when I was eighty. Okay. Another thing with me working out was a bit different because I had the access to my father's gym. He owns a fitness center. At that time, mm-hmm. he owned a couple of fitness centers. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Go ahead. And so what I did was I I used I I my pedigree was always about fitness, right? So kind of the kind of knowledge that I had received from my mm-hmm. father and the mm-hmm. trainers. there were kind of different because i knew the tricks and trades of the entire thing right from the start um then uh, when i was like 1920 the the hustler in me i can say the engineer in me the jugard in me um mm-hmm. kind of realized that you know what it would be a good money to help it would be a good way of earning pocket money mm. to if i can actually just help and train other people right in normal case i wouldn't be able to do that because i didn't have certification but because it was my father's gym and was because i was in a certain physicality mm-hmm. i could train people at that time i used to train people and like just get a certain amount of like cash just to make do and this was when i was like 20 so from 20 to around 23 yeah 23 right yeah so 3 years into the industry from okay. 23 onwards yeah so 21 22 i did my first certification and okay. in the gap of like 1 to 23 i did around four or five certifications i was going through a linkedin profile and you have a be degree and then you were in, you were acting as a head of marketing for one of the companies and then now you're a full time fitness trainer take us through this entire journey of transformation from being an engineer to being a marketer to to now being a trainer i see things from a very positive tint and i i see that oh there is a chance in this and i can actually do something about it mm-hmm. um, so when i was just i finished my diploma i did my diploma in engineering after so after mm-hmm. 10th i did my diploma in engineering which was electronics and that was just a pure business decision from my mom's end because i think for her she she was into this industry i said my father owned a couple of gyms and stuff like that so she but it was never a super successful business model and means of course it like there's this it's it's not about them not being good businessmen it's just about the industry at that point of time wasn't doing that well it, it like fitness itself wasn't being looked upon as oh oh you you oh you own a gym and stuff like that mm, no it was mm. oh, it's it's a tier 2 or tier 3 occupation um so it never had that kind of respect and my mom thought that you know i deserve something better i deserve something which is like much more than just being a fitness trainer and this is coming from a perspective of a person who has own gym and who has managed a group of trainers so she knew uh what the indian trainers and what kind of uh lifestyle they had and stuff like that and so mother so just to add your mother and father both were into fitness industry right from the very beginning right from the very beginning this is this Fantastic. is what doing. this is what my family does okay uh, still still does um so then she wanted me to do something different so and like any other person who is graduating or who's coming out of 10 standard in <laughs> 2007 i wanted to do engineering because uh arts was i don't know like bombay mein it wasn't fashion to do arts mm-hmm. at least in northern suburbs um i wasn't good enough for science <laughs> uh economically and engineering was something which i knew that okay you know what I, it's it's something that i can relate to and i would like mm-hmm. to call myself an engineer that is it i think yeah i would like to call myself an engineer and that's why i wanted to do engineering mm-hmm. so i did my diploma i didn't realize what i'm getting into but i got into electronics and pure electronics all right worst, worst decision of my life <laughs> <laughs> so i i i would means i wanted to do civil i couldn't do civil because the college which i was a part of didn't have mm-hmm. civil arts this thing so oh. i was in thakur polytechnic which was very close to my house uh, again a very smart decision from my mom because my my beta shouldn't travel a lot and that's mm-hmm. why i just just uh put him in a college is very close to him which is amazing uh then after that i did electronics which was decent 
uh, three years of diploma in electronics made me realize that okay, this is this requires a lot of effort. Uh, after that, the thing with diploma after degree, uh, degree after diploma is the problem that you don't get seats. There's only very, very, very small population or a small number of seats which is reserved for diploma students in degree. And I only had, which uh, I only had like 60 people to fight with. So for one seat, and I couldn't. So I got into this college called as uh, LR Tiwari College of Engineering, where all my friends were there from the same diploma college. So I had a very good, uh, very fun engineering time. But when I was doing that, I realized that I could, I had too much for fun. And by the third year, I got a drop. I got a drop. And at that time, I was like around 21. Um, and all my friends just moved away from me. And in that one year, I realized that I had to do something. So I started working out a lot more. I started sitting at my father's gym, uh, managing it and doing whatever I could. And at the same time, as I said, I did around four certifications. So I did my certifications of uh, fitness and stuff like that during that time. So, and after engineering finished, I realized that this is something which I cannot do mm -hmm. out of your hatred towards this. Because frankly, a lot of people have good experiences and people who have had good experiences rave about it and are still are doing an amazing job at it. But mm -hmm. for me, I never really had great experiences in engineering. So I despised it. So... I thought that I should do MBA like any other mm. guy mm. engineering. I didn't want to do engineering. But I, of course, as you can understand by now, my me as a student wasn't the best student right mm. there. So I kind of delayed my MBA examination form filling. So I had a year. I had a year between my MBA exams and when my engineering got over. So I decided to do some kind of job. And the job which I did was a marketing stint and which was in a recruitment firm. And this recruitment firm used to hire uh, blue collar people for Saudi and all these Middle Eastern countries. And that means in that particular, this thing I learned a lot. I did that gig for 10 months and I realized that this is something which I don't do, means which I don't want to do because mm. while I was doing this gig, I was also going back home and I was coaching people and I was making the same amount of money in that one hour of time where I was working out and I was making the same amount of money on this 10 hour job where I wasn't happy. So I decided, you know what, let me just pursue this full time. But at the same time, getting into fitness full time wasn't the easiest option because right. it's, it's a difficult job um, and you won't have people coming to you just because you look good. Uh, mm. You Absolutely. Like that. Uh, so I, I started doing marketing for my father's business, which is the quality health equipment that you might have seen. Mm. And I did that till the time I realized that, you know what, uh, that is going to go anyway, because I there was a good momentum with that business. At the mm. same time, the number of clients in Nike was happening at this time. So I focused my entire uh, concentration on fitness itself and since then i think from 23 to now i'm 28 now i've been in coaching full-time and it's been one hell of a ride man what was the family mindset like what was the relationship with mom then what did you face any resistance from the family or were you were you smart enough by then to kind of convince your parents what was that relation with parents like from whatever i've learned so far i've realized mm -hmm. that uh the way that you end up growing, see, if, if I'm coming from a middle class family, okay, mm -hmm. and I'm coming from a family whose uh, main goal is to just make enough money so that they can actually make do, and who've mm -hmm. started from the bottom to the point that they have like just reached to a point that they can sustain as well and give them basic amenities and just uh, some amount of luxury if, or whatever it is. So the dinner table conversation aren't about like how to make more money. The dinner table conversation is like how to make sure that uh, we are just making do or like just, it's not about doing, it's always about stabilizing. So my parents always saw business as a mode of making do and having a stability or they wanted their business to be stable. Mm -hmm. And 
in order to find that stability they never thought of growing hmm. yeah uh, and this is very normal honestly this is very normal um the thing with stability is or the thing yeah the, the only ironical thing with stability is unless and until you're not growing you're never stable because if you are want stable you always keep on degrading okay so that is one thing which i've learned over the period of time my parents at that time they always sought stability and they was always looking forward for stability hmm. and for them there was always about like you know what if i have worked so hard to find this stability i don't want my son to be working so hard in fact i want my son to do something which is much more easier or who's going to means which is who's he's going to find stability in a much more easier manner for example a job where he mm. would go at a place at 8 o'clock in the morning and come back at 5 o'clock in the evening and then his life would be set mm. okay that is the main perception of what my parents had and this was the same perception till the time that i did my marketing stint and even then my mom was very adamant that you know what you should be doing the job uh because it's it's something that means that is how the world works that is mm. how everybody does it that is how it should be and uh you do it for a year more and mm. then give you mba exam and then your ctc would be high enough and mm. so on uh so uh so this is what i came from this is what my means my mother's perception was but mm. luckily i think i was around with uh with a group of friends who were very dynamic and who never settled for anything which is like lesser than what they wanted to have for themselves mm. Mm. and and because i grew up with these guys i did my diploma with these guys i did my engineering with these guys i always knew that you know what if i'm not happy with something i'm not going to do it mm. so at that particular phase of my life when i was just about leaving my job i used to just cry out of helplessness because i didn't want to hurt my mom and i at the same time i never really had a strong enough proof that i'm going to be good enough in the next couple of years because i didn't have means i didn't know what i wanted to do in future but eventually i kind of gave myself a leeway and i started waking up early all those little mm. things and mm. i started coaching a bunch of uncles in my gym uh, in my building um so my mom knew that okay if a guy who's uh, just left his job is waking up early that means he means business uh, mm. and then to mm. go uh, work out and used to go train uh meet people take up personal training clients do a lot of freelancing job and go go back and then train my friends and then train these uh clients which i had and somehow not ask money from them uh okay. so basically be self sustaining at that point and luckily when this was happening and this is this has happened a lot thank mm. lord uh if i have worked for myself a bit the universe has given me tenfolds of it so Fantastic. i was doing like if i uh, untouched and i i means i did this for like a couple of months in fact three or four months and fourth month itself nike called and and the process of me being called by nike to me becoming a nike trainer was seven month long okay. but the fact i was being noticed by a brand which is the biggest brand in the world was strong enough for me to just ask my mom to that relax whatever means in which our direction i'm going i'm kind of doing right or i'm i'm kind of okay and then once nike started and once i became a nike certified trainer mm-hmm. uh, i think my mother's perception changed completely and because now i have a backing of such a back uh, such a big massive corporation um, mm-hmm. i think uh, at that time she kind of realized that you know what he will be okay Mm. Uh, mm. so it was never about the money i wasn't making money at that time honestly i wasn't making good amount mm. of money at that time it was only about uh the kind of brands i was associated with and the kind of habits that i was um mm. inculcating in myself and and if those were in line my mom knew that you know what um, i think he might be doing what he was doing. means he might be doing something right who has been uh, a bigger influencer and a bigger decision maker in your life whether it, it was it your father or was it your mother no it was always my mother my always father your mother. yeah okay. my father who my father was somebody who always had that perception that uh, i would want him to do what he wants to do okay. unless okay um 
but he never really gave in much of a thought or never okay. really too much uh deeper just made sure that my habits weren't very bad as simple so, as that so so like, father was basically somebody who would let you do what you want to do but your mother would kind of want to kind of uh, make sure that things are falling in place from the perspective uh, about protective yeah exactly that's a great word how difficult was it to convince your mom post nike and even after pre nike and post nike and then how much time did, did it take and what's the mindset now i don't know man i mean see I, one thing i know for certain and this is like i can i can safely say that my parents have struggled a thousand times more than absolutely. i absolutely ever have like absolutely. like they, absolutely they start nothing and and i think fear is something and i think that's that's a case with everybody more or less means i can't gen, it's not a blanket statement but more or less the people that i end up meeting even their parents have struggled that much and absolutely if i if i've seen a pattern in this one is like the more you struggle the, the fear that you have uh, will will make you choose only decisions which are uh monetarily very satisfying or which are going to be monetarily very safe uh all mm-hmm. point of uh i want to do what i love i want to do this and i want to do that uh for them i think they can't relate to it because at that time they never had that kind of opportunities when it comes to like social mm-hmm. media like absolutely and, yeah and 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 to some extent i also feel that uh it's also the parent uh mindset that yeah and me to mera hi beta i mm. i know him. i mm. i know him. okay so kya uh, kitna kya karega and so on and so forth. and this is completely understandable but mm. at the same time one thing i've realized that pre nike and post nike one thing that has made my mom a bit more comfortable and i think it will make anybody's family a bit more comfortable when i started uh giving in my share of whatever expenditure would be there to my household hmm. and when that started coming in for example okay i'm i'm staying at your place and i stay with my parents um i'm staying at your place this is what i would pay if i was staying outside and this is uh, i'm i'm going to take care of the light bill and stuff like that and if there's something else uh, you can always do that and that is the transactional basis which was happening so hmm. when that started happening when my mom knew that okay the income source that i am getting is stable enough to the point that i can actually give her a stable share of it uh, right. she became kind of uh, understanding a bit more understanding hmm. and since then i think it has become a much more uh, streamlined process okay. but uh, as as much as i wouldn't like to say it but money does play a very pivotal role in people's perception in mm-hmm. parents in understanding that oh okay now abhi mera beta bada ho gaya abhi ye ho gaya so even if even if i was 28 and even if i had gotten nike right now and if i wasn't making that kind of money my mom mm-hmm. still would have been concerned and my mom still would have been asked would have been asking me to mm-hmm. go into a government job or stuff like that because mm-hmm. i have but most but uh i think i also think that i got lucky because the opportunities which i grabbed mm. uh was at a time where the industry was just booming mm. and i could maximize it as much as possible i couldn't maximize all the opportunities i got i failed a lot of times mm. but whatever it was i kind of uh did my jam and um now i'm at a stabler position the thing with uh, business is it's never stable man like um, there's always going to be like a thousand kunal waiting behind me and if i right. just if i just like take a breather there's going to be like i'm going to go behind by say a 500 or something so mm-hmm. so that is happening um but yeah my mom's perception right now is much more open and okay. if i want to start a different business uh she won't stop me from doing that so right. that a uh, nice paradigm shift from uh doing the job which i was doing to the point and how much I'm time did it take in general kitna kitna time laga is pure pure duration mein five years. years five right okay five years also dilna so, i started i started coaching people for 1500 rupees no 1300 rupees 
for every day of coaching personal training mm-hmm. uh and now i charge a month a month 1500 a month okay a month for every day coach okay uh, and and now um now now it's like it's it's around four times of that for an hour so wow so yeah so the growth that i have had is is and that is in the industry standards so like all my nike buddies are talking a lot more but uh, <laughs> so the, that is the uh, uh, growth that uh, the industry gives you if you really work hard for it but again it's it's very difficult unlock is basically online community that kunal runs it's a closed community on instagram that he runs very coaches people digitally around fitness uh, and, and now kunal i want you to kind of talk uh, in depth about unlock the idea how you conceptualize it what's happening with unlock right now first of all uh, unlock was named before unlock india india yes. government started calling unlock i, I like, know that yes that's very important for people to act yes absolutely <laughs> so uh, so see when the lockdown start uh, started it was like if 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 somebody has had a good observation skills uh, that person would have known that you know what this is going to be there for a long period of time it wasn't supposed to be there for like 21 Absolutely. days at all like and and i i knew it straight from the bat because i i am a fanatic of weird stories and like historical events which has which has had massive cultural impact on people and one of the major such event was the 1919 and 1920 pandemic the spanish flu one and i knew that this was going to happen and if this is being called as a pandemic the kind of effect that it's going to have on the economy is going to be massive but i didn't know it's going to be this big uh um, so i knew that is whatever is going to happen is going to be there for like two or three months and two or three months in my perspective as i said is there's going to be like a thousand kunal behind me who are going to be working thrice as hard as me and who are going to be much more hungrier than me uh, in order to be where i am and i wanted to make sure that you know what i don't lose this and i make sure that i am relevant no matter what happens and in order to make sure that i'm relevant I started with around fifteen thousand or sixteen thousand followers, uh, and I wanted to increase my follower count while giving them value. So I started doing live sessions. Now th- that is the only thing which I could do, right? Because live sessions is uh, also this was not my idea of doing live sessions. I saw people doing live sessions, and I was the first one, and means probably one of the first people in India to do the live sessions. uh so i started doing the live sessions wherein i asked people to come and join me for a workout and we started working out and then i realized that okay this is good but in order to make sure that i'm increasing the number of people i am coaching or the number of followers that i have i want to have uh more influential people and so i started calling in celebrities who have trained before so i started working out with them and and i did this every single day man i did this every single day for two months to the point that i was doing it when my body was like broken down but i knew that people were waiting for these sessions and they they had made it a part of it because at that time mental issues and mental health issues were also being prominent right it was like a depressing time for people and i knew that working out was something which is really going to help a lot of people mentally also physically but mentally a lot more um so that also gave me a drive to push myself a lot harder and then eventually i realized that you know what uh two months two and a half months of doing this is something that i i don't see myself doing it for a longer period of time and i want to kind of start monetizing it in a certain certain way or possible and the best way to monetize it was not to have them convert into zoom sessions because i was focusing on a mass audience i was focusing on people which are like 150 200 um right. in order to convert these kind of crowd for zoom sessions it would be very difficult because i won't be giving them one to one uh uh say services and i can't charge them say that amount of money also so right. i thought that you know what if i have this number of uh, ardent followers on instagram i would give them a lot more services than myself so i started giving them animal flow i thought of giving them um uh, 
pilates i thought of giving giving them mobility flexibility and i thought of giving them yoga also on one page itself and that page would be called as unlock and in order to access that page all you want to do is you want you just have to like pay me and get that entry fee and then you can access all the of these things we are doing the same live sessions but on instagram and at that time it was only supposed to be for 24 hours if you remember live sessions could only be uh save for 24 hours so i used to sell them like that but the day that unlock started and the day the entry shut igtv uh, conversion started yeah. and and since then we've been selling it as now you can always uh, even if you end up missing it you can always uh, get it from your igtv and stuff like that so yeah we did that uh, the first unlock version had around 55 members uh the second had around 80 third one had uh, 121 and this one had around 118 so wow. yeah so, so we almost doubled the numbers in in almost like four seasons right yeah so and how big is one season or one sorry. one one series how big is one season or one series four weeks four weeks Okay. But okay. this would have been a lot more in this season. But I just completed a thirty-day challenge with this company called as Fraternity, yeah. wherein I was coaching three hundred and fifty people. So, so yeah. So my scale of uh, coaching people from one person uh, on one-on-one went to um, coaching four hundred plus people per day. My first video that I consciously remember watching was you were worried in a black t-shirt sitting in a balcony and you're talking about that hey lockdown has happened and gyms have been closed and it's a it's a great massive hit on the uh, fitness industry and you know how will the people who are not you know young and tech savvy what will they do to a complete shift the backstage we're talking that you were saying that hey i don't want to get into the physical business anymore i'm i'm absolutely fine running a digital fitness business uh you know i want to understand the mind shift and the mind change of that kunal like 5 months back or 6 months back to this kunal now and also Uh, uh you know a bit on the entrepreneurial side because i can i can see you more transforming into an entrepreneur than a just a fitness trainer see the thing with the training industry right now is we the people who are the flow trainers and the personal trainers are, aren't really extremely educated okay and uh and we're talking about flow trainers generally they lived and they survived on uh personal training clients for 5000 6000 rupees and they had around two or three clients and they used to make do and they used to uh take that salary who go home and be happy about it when the brick and mortar business kind of shut down because of the lockdown these guys basically stopped functioning they they didn't really have any source of income and i knew it firsthand because this was happening in my uh company itself to the point that even we couldn't support them because we were also losing out on rent so the whole uh, video which i made was to make sure that if you if you as a person who wants to get fit and if you always had excuses this is the best time to call your personal trainer from your gym and reach up to him and just whatsapp call him and get training from him for a dirt cheap rate like a throwaway price because and not only because it's great for you but also because it's going to help somebody put food on a table and that is that is why the entire video was uh then and of course i am means i can say i am in the top 2% of the population who has good amount of exposure in terms of people that people are going to watch this uh we are having this conversation like you having conversation with a trainer is also a massive thing right uh so i am one of the very few exposed one out there but i'm but the entire training industry is like millions so mm. uh, these guys are not tech savvy or not do these guys have the kind of exposure that i have and the instagram algorithm that is going on right now is not going to help them either okay so that's why the entire conversation was there now speaking to that i did i tried to push as much as possible but then um my personally myself i realized that uh when i was working uh jan till jan for example uh 
I stay in the northern suburbs of Bombay, which is like Kandivli, near the National Park. My crowd is in Juhu and Bandra. So I, 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 I train people in Juhu and I train people in Bandra. Uh, my first class in the morning is at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, then I have a class at 10.30. Uh, it gets done by 12. Then I have to go back home. So coming go, from Kandivli to Juhu, it's an hour long drive. Uh, from Juhu to Kandivli back at that time is one, an hour, one hour and a half. Then I take a train in the evening because I have to go to Bandra. That is a uh, uh, 55 to one hour minute ride in the train. Then coming back again for one hour and then coming back again. And, and this time, plus I'm also paying rent and I'm also doing everything possible. So I'm losing out on energy. I'm losing out on time. I'm losing out on rent money and I'm doing everything. And then I realized that, you know what? And plus also I'm focusing on a very hyper local group of people. Hmm. Uh, are aren't going to come to Bandra, nor are right. people going for even from Andheri East are not going to come to a Juhu, right? Mm. Because it's convenience that is very important. The one thing which I've realized in this entire thing is like what online fitness is doing to you, and which is always going to happen. I didn't know that it's going to happen that radically. Which mm. all what all it was always going to happen, which was uh the convenience factor is going to come into play. And that's why all these businesses like Cultane and even other apps are doing so well. Because if you get fitness and if you get your desired coaching at your fingertips, why would you want to go to the gym? So, yeah, and um, that's what I did. I basically shifted my entire focus on the online part of it. And I've been giving a lot of energy towards it and trying to grow it as much as possible. Hmm. Um, I think it's it's coming not from a very heartfelt decision because I love meeting people. I love coaching them physically. I love having that kind of connection. And by the same time, I just realized that business-wise, it really makes no sense to actually do it. And that's why the entire online shift. When you say that I want to now go completely digital because of the exposure and the kind of uh, kind of uh, amount I can uh, reach out to pe uh, you know people, I think uh, it's a it's a uh, great learning from this entire thing. Yeah, and yeah. See, like I think it's the first mover's advantage also, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, if somebody starts doing whatever that person would be doing and on on the online platform or stuff like that, that person would have like extreme levels of difficulty to start over. Because mm. you have to build a cloud. And the thing with fitness, uh, it's any kind of service industry where you're giving out services online. It's right. the kind of relationship and the bond that you end up making. Mm. I have been making bonds and relationships in the last eight months now. And I've been making relationships with people where they were in need of those uh, relationships. Uh, and I'm not saying it I did from a very monetary perspective. I did it because I wanted to be a part of it because I needed that myself. And that was a genuine interaction which I had with people. And because of that, uh, and because they knew what kind of services I also have to offer, uh, the kind of conversion rate I had was very high. Mm -hmm. But for now, even if we are talking about any influencers or whoever wants to come into this entire platform, that person is going to find it a bit more difficult is because... Uh, as I said, like any kind of, like, for example, Nike also, the reason why people buy Nike is not because they want to state, make a statement of like Nike, they, because they resonate with the fact that, okay, Nike stands for something. It right. stands for sport. It's, it, it is the personification of sport in some ways or the other. And so you, my, my trust is only about making sure that my brand or the brand Kudal Rajput, whatever it is, it's it's a personification of the kind of relationship that I have with uh, them. What are your tips or advice, uh, uh, you know, being, you know, a Nike coach, a celebrity trainer, a fitness influencer yourself, and maybe now an entrepreneur, uh, what is your advice and suggestions to the new guys who are trying to get into the fitness, fitness business, fitness game? So the first and foremost thing, a lot of people think, and this is one thing which I've observed a lot. Um, that they 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 see this as an option that they can venture into as a side business, which is great. Uh, mm -hmm. 
at the same time unless and until you don't have massive amounts of passion for this particular uh service industry um you you won't be able to make it big uh the reason why i'm saying is because if i'm speaking to you right now uh uh and if if i'm going to coach you you and me are going to be uh in the in, in a very vulnerable situation where you're going to be physically tired mentally tired mentally exhausted and i'm going to speak to you in that phase which is a very vulnerable phase you won't be dilnavas who is an entrepreneur who is actually the this amazing podcast host you'll be just your body and you'll be just your mind and at that time to build relationship you can't think about oh i am with this person just to make certain amount of money for an hour i have to actively be a part of this and right. i have to actively be a part of this throughout the entire commitment which i have had and how to do that it's you really have to love what you do so that is one thing which is it might sound very cliched but if you are if you're not into it you you will lose clients just like that you won't have the retainability of the people you will get people but you won't have the retainability of it um second thing i think which is very important in this business is like uh keep thinking 5 6 months ahead and think of yourself as a businessman rather than a trainer or a person who's just providing a service because uh you are replaceable and you are always replaceable with somebody who is going to be more exposed than you are. Mm-hmm. um so you always have to think of and me and shweta my fellow nike coach and my very good friend was speaking about like you always need to have that kind of entrepreneurial streak to make sure that you kind of grow your business mm-hmm. 10 or your clientele tenfolds by every 3 months or every 4 months or so on and so forth if you are, if you don't focus on that you will fade away just because there are people who are much more exposed and like odds are always against you yeah i think the last one would be making sure that you work on your mental health more than your physical one because uh see this is one thing which i haven't really spoken about but physically i am at my weakest right now uh the more i climb the stairs of this success ladder which i have mm-hmm. would count myself as a successful person but if the more i get closer towards success in my uh, eyes the weaker i get physically and it's not because uh it's not because i'm not working on myself it's because i'm working so hard that i don't get time for myself and to the point i end up stretching myself a lot more and i kind of stretch myself too thin and that is something that one should really think about uh the thing with money is something which i have observed that it overwhelms you very quickly hmm. uh, and you kind of lose the plot and you start getting in and you start chasing in and grabbing every single opportunity there is outside and in order to not do that you have to start saying no as much as possible because right. as i said like i have come from a family which has struggled a lot so for me uh it's always about ha kar lenge ha kar lunga ha ho jayega ha hi ho jayega to the point that i have stretched myself to so thin that i have to take breaks where i know that those breaks are something that i can afford so the third point again is don't stretch yourself out too thin and make sure that you listen to your body and kind of have a cadence where you can control or don't go too fast what's your take how how can how can young guys young fitness enthusiasts trying to venture into into the fitness business grab the lowest hanging fruit and how can they create trust among the clients among the people they want to go after yeah so like you know in in so in startups you always have uh, friends families and fools i think uh see well, so that is that is always the first step at the same time you should have a proof of concept right Hmm. um in, in this particular scenario the proof of concept is yourself um if you really don't have a aspiring physique see the thing is dude you have seen uh if if you like a fitness uh model ka picture one fitness model ka picture you'll be bombarded with like a million fitness models ke pictures 
right so your mind's perception of like what's great and what's good is is mm-hmm. very soft okay mm-hmm. so you won't take anybody seriously till the time that they fit into that particular bracket of people mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so unless and until i am not at that level as a coach mm-hmm. or as a person mm-hmm. or as a trainer uh, who is even decently good looking or even decently at a place where you want to be i won't be able to grab your attention that is one thing uh second thing i guess would be um focusing on having uh i can say this as the friends families and fools are very important in terms of uh making you learn the craft and making uh who can actually believe you without uh like asking you too many questions and letting you do your work and then you can set them as an example and use that example and then move on so uh so the the way that i started was i started coaching uh my friends my the reason i started coaching my friends people around the gym started noticing that and they wanted to come and coach with me or be coached by me and so on and so forth and then you can actually keep growing and stuff like that and mm-hmm. while you're doing that you always always work uh simultaneously on your social media skills also hmm. because uh, trust me like this is of course this is the offline part of it but unless and until your social media game is not strong uh it's it's not going to work well and social media is the way to go about it so gone are those times where you are going to be a super successful coach or a trainer or an entrepreneur unless and until you are not big on social media so that is if it ha- it needs to happen on instagram to make sure it's legit which is it weird the it the world that we're living in so kunal uh, on that note i'll 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 wrap this particular session for today I, i'll quickly move on to the rapid fire and also we will pick up the couple of questions from the audience side so first after doing so many things uh, social media entrepreneurship this that and all of course i know you're coming with the with the podcast i want you to talk a bit on that as well what is the next thing in the pipeline now next thing in the pipeline would be um okay so i've, I've been told i'm be doing a lot of things but i think the next thing in the line is two things uh, the podcast which is happening and second mm-hmm. i'm trying to build an app okay uh, and basically uh trying to put in a lot of content over there so that uh let let's see how that goes because uh i don't know man like it's 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 i never thought of myself doing an app thing but mm-hmm. i think that is the way to go about it because the next step would be going completely online um, fantastic i don't see how i can unlock as much because mm-hmm. of course it's going to be uh problematic when it comes to the algorithm part of it mm-hmm. and the Because my follower counts are increasing, but I don't have that kind of physical strength to go live every single day like I used to go back again. So mm. I'll, I'll I'll try to go with the app thing and see how that works. What's your favorite form of workout and uh, elaborate that a bit? Okay, I can tell you which I hate the most. I hate body weight training the most because I've been okay. doing it since the last eight months now. Like I am. Um, tired of it man i can't i can't do burpees anymore but uh <laughs> i think i love right now i've i've always had undulating phases uh right now i love uh just doing normal like strength hypertrophy work which is like bicep curls and tricep extensions mm-hmm. and like just pumping yourself just looking in the mirror and just being happy about my body which is like very it, it induces vanity but i'm super happy with it so in this phase of current me i'm super happy with that workouts okay so uh, also what is the entry level workout for somebody who is not into workouts and now maybe gets inspired after watching this and maybe also gets inspired after watching your instagram what's the entry level workout for those people so the same workout which i spoke about right now uh something like strength based which is which involves uh very light equipments for example do dumbbells or like a bench and just focus on um isolating those group of muscles now when i'm sp- speaking about isolating group of muscles like focusing on one group of muscles right now and working on hypertrophy it's like 8 to 12 reps for 3 to 4 sets and then moving on so i think this 
this workout would give you aesthetically a very pleasing physique but at mm-hmm. the same time will also keep your muscles like mm-hmm. good sh- form shape and health what's your diet plan like and what's your favorite cheat meal okay um so my current favorite cheat meal would be um uh, getting in i don't know if you have uh, carter blues in this thing in jaipur but there's something that's called as lamb mandi rice so it's lamb okay with uh-huh. with roasted rice nothing else that's okay. it like mm, okay very beautiful very nicely cooked but yeah that uh indian uh, mughlai super cool right now what i'm doing is i'm having two breakfast in the morning so mm-hmm. what is a uh, a smoothie of like two bananas uh, a protein shake uh, peanut butter water and some creatine then after that i have my workout then i have another breakfast which is basically a uh, four egg omelet with uh, just two slices of bread uh then i have my lunch whatever my mom makes she makes amazing food uh then i have a snack which is like chocos and milk and a cappuccino and then i have my dinner which is going to be mostly like chicken breast and like greens or brown rice that's it all right all right on that note we'll now go and pick up a few questions from the audience side we have a few questions that have come for you what are your thoughts on those fake instagram influencer instagram fitness influencers who photoshop their body parts Hmm. What's your thoughts on that? I don't know, man. I mean, see, social media is a place for vanity, right? If, like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a drug. It's it's a drug, and uh-huh. people do, and all of us are doing these drugs. Everybody, whoever is right. on social media, is doing these drugs, right? Uh, some people do good quality drugs. Some people are just <laughs> doing these kind of drugs. And if they are happy with what they were doing, it won't be sustainable for sure. because mm-hmm. one one day they are going to have that realization that oh, whatever i was selling is not a right product and people notice people realize that and people make it out and when that thing happens they have a lot more to lose honestly so that's uh i think all right that right. i i i hope i answered the question hmm I agree with you there, yeah. Because I think I, I, you you can't keep on faking it. it it's although it's, it's some people say that some people say that you uh, uh, fake it till you make it, but I think it doesn't work anymore in the world now. You have to be true, and that's why. Yeah, exactly. You you get so complacent, and you you, and if you get so complacent, you stop working hard hmm. because the gratitude hmm. and the, the kind of vanity that you receive is so instant without any work. So you stop working hard. Moving on to the next question, which is better for keeping our mental health in check, yoga or core exercises or some other core exercise? Huh? I think any kind of movement. Like you can't define movement. Uh, mm-hmm. Any kind of like dancing, mm-hmm. uh, running, swimming, or anything which makes your body move from point A to point B, even if it's like mm-hmm. yoga or whatever. if it makes you happy it makes you happy the thing is what i love in terms of movement would be completely different from what you love and if we end up doing something that we love it's going to give us mental happiness uh, a better fitness level is also going to give us a better mental health at the same time mental we are talking about mental health in check just any kind of movement with a good amount of uh, nutrition and good amount of uh programming to it would really help you but i always say that try every single movement you'll fall in love with something and if you fall in love with something you'll keep doing it for a consistent period of time and any kind of consistent movement will keep you mentally happy and mentally healthy also i think uh, we have covered yeah. almost broad questions audience's question rapid fire and everything so i would ask you to maybe put in a closure note and then we will wrap okay my closing note would be Uh, Did you enjoy the conversation? I, I love yeah exactly what I'm saying. Like I, my closing note would be like, and you are one of the major inspiration for me to start my podcast, man. And and I really thank, thank you, you so for that. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much. And <laughs> but my my this is the thing, right? I've, I've realized that one one of the major things that has helped me reach from point A to point B, even if I want to reach to point Z, uh, is that. 
I want it to reach from point A to point C. And if you don't want it, you won't get it. Mm-hmm. And and if you really want it, you will move in some ways or the other. And whoever is listening, if uh, the only thing which I can ask you to is like, just make sure that uh, you move in whatever direction you want to move and don't overanalyze for what the situation is going to result in and just make your move. This is probably the only time in humanity and in, in human history where you have everything on your fingertips for free. And Absolutely. if you want to make a mark, this is the best time and you're going to do it not only for yourself, for also, but also for the future generation. Uh, our parents never had this opportunity, nor or any of our generation. And this is probably the only time where you can actually make a massive amount of difference in the society. So if you want to do something, this is the time and do it, man. And yeah, I think that would be the closing note. Fantastic. So on that note, we'll we'll end the podcast. I will meet you at the I backstage, will... Kunal. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I'll see you in a yeah. second. I will work super hard to make sure that I come back to your podcast, man. <laughs> That's, that would be a pleasure for me. Thank you so much, Kunal.